the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Thanks to all of you that are joining live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3. My, oh my, what a Monday upon further review we have. Because not only do we have... just any leftovers from the weekend. But even those leftovers from Saturday are just getting thrown off the table by everything that's happened on the coaching carousel here in the last 24 hours or so. Thanks to all of you that uh, got to hear the live in-show evolution of a Billy Napier emergency podcast into a Lincoln Riley emergency podcast as the Lincoln Riley news off to USC broke in the middle of that Billy Napier to Florida show. Uh, We've got further developments to be able to get to. It looks like we might have uh, another hire in the Pac-12. At least things seem to be trending that way. The SMU has officially hired its next head coach, even though the ex-head coach has not yet been formally announced (laughs) at his new school, uh, Rod Carey out at Temple. Lots more to get to, but I think there are so many angles, uh, so much cause and effect uh, that is coming from Lincoln Riley's move. And, you know, I want to open up the table. I don't want to hijack the conversation, but I think that when you consider the impact on the recruiting trail, when you consider Oklahoma's impending move to the SEC and uh, the way that this is going with Lincoln Riley and so many top assistants and so many California-based prospects that were committed to the Sooners moving forward, not to mention what the transfer portal is going to do as we see Spencer Rattler has entered the transfer portal and will be seeking to continue his college career elsewhere. I think this is one of the most notable and impactful college football job changes uh, in the sports modern history. Ever or just now? Because I'm saying modern history. Like I, I know that we can talk about uh, what is it? Uh, you you left Duke to go to Alabama, or you left Alabama to go to Duke for Wallace Wade, right? Yeah. You know, I think Barry Bryant might have checked in at both of those. Jimbo Fisher, Florida State to Texas A&M. But I, I just Jackie think... Jackie Sherrill going Pitt to A&M back in, what was that, the 80s? Mm-hmm. Is Johnny Majors, uh, another like Pitt, Tennessee move right yeah. there. I mean, just Oklahoma to USC and all of the other uh, fallout from it. It just feels so impactful. There's one reason why it'll be the most impactful we've seen. Because we are in a new era. He can actually bring his quarterback with him. Like he can, Caleb Williams can go and be the starter, you know, week one. We've never seen this as a possibility before. We've, you know, recruits are going to follow, like we've already seen. Was it six? I don't know. That was a few hours ago. It might be more. Six players decommitted now, a few five stars, a couple, you know, top players in the country decommitting. Like this is the new normal. 
And I do like this one will to me. So I've been thinking a lot about this because like, you know, the, what does this mean for Oklahoma who probably right now, I'm just guessing Oklahoma, Texas might be like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that move to the SEC. Let's get, let's get some, let's get our legs underneath us before we jump into that end of the ocean. And yet I don't know if they're going to have that luxury and it's, I wonder what it does to Oklahoma. You mentioned Jimbo Fisher. When he left Florida State, like we still haven't recovered from that, you know, debacle as it unfolded and the recruiting, you know, kind of nightmare that was left there and then firing another coach soon. Like Oklahoma needs to get this hire right and they need to get it, they need to get it done quickly to try to salvage what's left of the program. But this is the new normal. Look, kids were not going to Oklahoma for the barbecue. Guys, they were <clears throat> sorry. They, they they were going because Lincoln Riley did a tremendous job of branding the Oklahoma program as a place where you can go and play in an exciting, fast-paced offense where you can go and build your brand. They were leaning in, into the whole branding thing quite a bit. He had multiple Heisman finalists under his tutelage there as OC and then as head coach. And it's not a shock that the kids are decommitting from Oklahoma. Because for all the fans who say, hey, commit to the school, not the coach, that's nonsense. I'm not on the phone with the school. I'm on the phone with the coach, right? I don't shake hands with the statue outside. I shake hands with the recruiting assistant. You know, like they they make the relationship with my mom and dad and my high school coach. So, look, Oklahoma is going to lose quite a few players over this. And on the one hand, kind of sucks for their fans. On the other hand... They also raided the hell out of Tennessee last year when Tennessee was going yep. through a similar situation. So, uh, you know, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. I, I want to say, though, I am really happy that we have the transfer portal now because think about all these kids that just signed with Oklahoma, how screwed they would be under the old system. Okay, the guy who promised you that, that he's going to be there now isn't. And now you're going to have to lose a year of college eligibility if we were still under the old system if you want to go somewhere else, but the coach can go somewhere else without paying any penalty as far as eligibility. There's a buyout to be dealt with, but not really a problem in the day of modern college football. I, I think this is a, a a great thing that we actually have the portal now because these kids are going to be able to, if they want, go somewhere else. Maybe they'll follow Lincoln. Maybe they won't, but they have the ability to have that freedom of movement. And that that's a big thing. It's also going to be something ADs are going to have to uh, consider when they want to make a firing, right? Or when they want to decide uh, to match a coach's demands for salary or staff or or not match it because it, you could have your roster absolutely stripped out. Like this will hurt Oklahoma's recruiting quite a bit. Um, they've already lost a bunch of kids off that 2023 class. Oklahoma was one of the prime schools that was going into California and stealing kids away from USC. That's probably one of the reasons, I mean, amongst a, a whole lot, obviously, why USC wanted Lincoln Riley is because him and Dennis Simmons and those dudes are going in there, and Simmons is going with him, by the way. I, I know our Oklahoma site reported, uh, as well as I think Grinch and Bill Biedenbaugh, the offensive mm-hmm. line coach. Yeah, they're, the they're dipping in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're dipping in there and stealing your best talent. And now was- USC has a chance to have one of the best transition signing classes among like a non-internal hire, so not a Ryan Day or a Cristobal type thing where you're just promoted internally, they have a chance to have one of the absolute best early signing period classes ever because Riley is one of these rare home run hires who has all these relationships with these guys that he could pretty quickly flip if he wants to. 
I was thinking that he, from the Lincoln Riley perspective, because look, I think Lincoln Riley has become a villain in college football. I think the idea that this decision is going to impact Oklahoma to take a, a program that was winning the Big 12 every single year, and I predict will enter the SEC and not win the SEC every year. I know that's a very bold prediction here, but I don't think Oklahoma joins the Southeastern Conference and, and has the same level of success, but it will be impossible to view whatever this next era is as Oklahoma makes the transition as not being impacted by Lincoln Riley leaving, all of the talent leaving, the impact on the recruiting trail. And so – uh, like the term heel turn was used a lot on Sunday and Sunday night. Wow. Lincoln Riley's heel turn has really become an interesting thing to watch. And I don't know if Lincoln Riley was ever a hero or if he was just young and everyone ascribes innocence to youth, but you know, he, he might've actually been, you know, evil, like, you know, this, this master plan man, this master plan. I think that he was sitting here and he's like, okay, so you're telling me as I've been racking up these frequent flyer miles and going into California and having to sell all these California parents on trusting me with their children in Norman, Oklahoma, that I can now just be in California, go to those same high schools, those same seven on camps, those same coaches, and be able to just say, hey, why don't you come to Los Angeles? Like, it seems like a very good career move for Lincoln Riley. Also, if Lincoln Riley's a villain for what he's doing, what the hell is Oklahoma? Oh, that's the well, The Oklahoma and Texas both getting what they did. They did the same they things Lincoln Riley yeah. did, yeah. Yeah. But, and if you are like that, you mentioned at the top, Chip, this is like a very impactful coaching hire in the landscape of college football. And I wonder, like, if I'm an Oklahoma fan right now, am I a little nervous about what the future holds for me? Because it's not just the immediate of, you know, USC or Lincoln and my entire recruiting class leaving. It's just if you look at the trend in the Big 12 recently in the schools that left the conference, Colorado went to the Pac-12. It has not been the same since. Nebraska went to the Big Ten. It has not been the same since. Mizzou went to the SEC and had a couple successful seasons when Florida and Georgia were down. But for the most part, it's kind of fallen to being an also-ran in the East. Texas A&M's kind of treaded water since it moved to the SEC. Now Oklahoma's losing Lincoln Riley, and it's going from the Big 12, and it's going to be in the SEC. Are you at all worried, like no matter who you bring in as the new coach, that you're going to be in the same kind of situation that Nebraska finds itself in now, where it's desperately trying to find the glory days, but it's just in an unfamiliar place and is not, you know, like adapting well to its new surroundings. Yes. Do you think Lincoln Riley was, was consulted on the move to the Big 12 no. or to the SEC? I don't either. I've, right. I've, like, yeah, I bet you keep it secret because it, it has to keep the circle tight. And you know the guy's not going to be your coach forever. Yeah. Like, I haven't talked to Lincoln Riley directly about it, but there's been a lot of scuttlebutt between people who have that say Lincoln Riley was not a big fan of the move to the SEC. In the SEC, you go from being a team that routinely expects to win like 10 and a half, 11 games and win the league consistently in the Big 12. And the only team that can really get more talent than you in the Big 12 is, is Texas. And that's if they have their act together, which is rare, at least in, in, in my lifetime. In the SEC, I expect Alabama to out-recruit you. I expect LSU to out-recruit you. I expect Florida to out-recruit you. I expect Georgia to out-recruit you. I also expect Texas A&M to out-recruit you. How many schools did I just name? Five? So mm -hmm. if you are busting your butt and killing it in recruiting, I expect Oklahoma to have about the sixth most talented roster in the SEC. Now, over time, 
Oklahoma may adjust its expectations and realize nine and three in the new Super SEC is a really damn good year. But that won't, that adjustment of, of expectations among fans and boosters and maybe admin will not come quickly. And if you're the guy taking Oklahoma into the SEC, you're going to have to suffer that expectation, you know, sort of lapse or, or, or delay of adjusting expectations. And if you're like Riley, you're like I can get better talent at USC if they're finally going to pony up the money and make sure all my assistants and off-field guys are are paid well and they can live close to the school. Guys, USC is a better job than Oklahoma if USC is committed to, to doing it right. Mm-hmm. If they're not, Oklahoma's a better job. Is it a better job than LSU? Oklahoma? No, USC. Because Lincoln Riley just chose one over the other. And I think all of it, like all that we're talking about, says it is. Like the one place, the one thing that I think a lot of coaches love to even dream about, even, even when they dream about it, I think they probably think it's a pipe dream, is job security. Like you're not, and I, I totally agree with everything Bud just said. Like the only thing I wonder if is if you're not in three, do you get in a 12 team playoff? At, at Oklahoma, maybe, but yes. you're still on the outside. In the SEC, but if you yeah. go 10 and two at USC, but you win the Pac 12, you're in for sure. Like, so absolutely, the, the security I think is there. And I also wonder if there's a part of Lincoln Riley that's watched. Now, who do you guys think is the biggest brand in the Big 12? Texas. And you have dominated that conference, dominated that conference, and yet you're still not the biggest dog. Like that's got to irk you a little bit. And then you're going to go if you took the LSU job. It's a big, but it's not. You don't own that conference either. You go to USC, guess that you are. You get everything. You get. You get. You're the school. You are the brand. Most tradition. Most history. Most recruits in your state. Like you have the opportunity to really have every edge that you didn't have at Oklahoma and you didn't have at LSU. And now you can get it, USC. Like, I think this was a shrewd, like you could say heel. I think this was a smart, calculated move by Lincoln Riley. Like, I, I would make the move. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, if, if, if you – assuming USC is fully committed, and I think the hire of Mike Bone indicates that they are, they didn't do some, you know, complete dumbassery like, like when, when they hired Lynn Swan um, or, you know, the, the, the prior guy, Pat Hayden. With Mike Bone hire, you know, getting hired there, with, with them stepping up all the NIL stuff, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. USC is a control-your-own-destiny job. How many of those jobs are really out there? Where I think Ohio State is, right? If mm-hmm. Ohio State's at 100%, nobody touches them. If USC's at 100%, they don't have to worry about anybody else, even if everybody else is running at max capacity. Oklahoma and the SEC is not a control-your-own-destiny job. Oklahoma can do its absolute best and there's still a lot of other teams that they would be dogs to on a neutral site if those teams are at their best. If, you, if you're a competitor, man, you get USC. It's a historic brand. You're telling me i got to worry about Oregon? Pfft, come on, dude. Well, so you, win, you can win national championships. That's another old right. Barton Simmons. Like These are the jobs where you win, compete for national championships. And USC if they're doing it right. Yeah. And I um, think Riley taking it means that they probably are. Like that – that's a good sign for USC, I think, that because you know he's not just going to take this on a whim. So I know that we don't always dip into like the full conference. I don't believe in you know conferences beating their chests, but the, it's power within college athletics. George Klyovkov loves this. Yeah. Pack, like this, this kind of moves. Like this, I don't know. I don't know what to say about save the Pac-12, but this has their trajectory of the Pac-12 and its football product moving in a completely different direction. Uh, reportedly, we'll be getting Kalen DeBoer at Washington. 
We'll see what happens at Oregon, you know, one way or the other. But uh, I would say that just having Lincoln Riley at USC and what we think a Lincoln Riley-led USC program can be with all of the kind of instant impact recruits, assistant coaches, everything else we've learned, uh, this is massive for the Pac-12 being taken seriously among the other power conferences. Yeah, I, I think this is horrible for the Big 12 in all facets because now you're still you're losing Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, which was already a huge blow to your strength as a conference. But then because of that, the Pac-12, the one conference that you've kind of been in direct competition in it for these playoff spots the last few years, is strengthening itself with its premier program be- as a ramification of what Oklahoma and Texas have done. So now, like I know that right now, if you look at the rankings, Oklahoma State, BYU, Cincinnati, all these teams are ranked high in the rankings. But when they all in when they're all in the big together, not going to have four to two teams because they're going to be knocking each other off and just overall your brand isn't going to be as strong. You're not going to be as impactful in the rankings. So I think this is a terrible thing for the Big 12 in the long run because this is going to make the Pac-12 better. The Big 12 has only been getting weaker since the summer when all this stuff was announced. And I think that, thankfully, like if you're the Big 12, when we expand to 12, you are pounding the table for an automatic bid right now because if you don't, it's going to be hard for you to get in when your premier programs are former group of five schools, BYU, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. You know how many consistent top 20 recruiters are in the new Big 12? None. Zero. <laughs> well, as it's, head coaches? By talent-wise, it is not a Power 5 quality league. Well, how many – hold on. Did you say top 20 recruiters? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like that cutoff because 10 of them are in the SEC. We don't have – like, you're only going to have, like, one or two even among, like, your uh, your Pac-12 and your ACC and such. Okay. I mean, I mean that's, that's five or that's like fair. the biggest. Well, yeah, how many top fifty? Football. Well, how many top fifty might be the same. Might be the same yeah. answer, or at least close to it. I, I do understand. I understand the point, though. If you're George Klyovkov, it's also great because now you don't have to to sit here and pretend like yeah, Oregon can carry our conference or Washington can carry our conference. Oregon's a great two for any league that's not the SEC. Washington or Arizona State, if they, I mean, I guess they're going to keep Herm Edwards, so. We'll see. They have yeah, five commits is, now. Yeah, that, that's Arizona not really going to work too. out there long term. But um, you know, w- w- when the AD and head coach are in it together, that's just that's going to create a longer term, longer tail on that thing. Like U- UCLA is a nice five or six for any league that's not the SEC. If you, as we've seen with Clemson recently, as we saw with FSU in, in you know 2013, 2012, media doesn't really care how the rest of the league is, man. If you got one super team. They're going to give you a lot of love. So um, in terms of like, as, as, as I said, Kalen DeBoer, uh, according to multiple reports is nearing a deal to become the next head coach at the university of Washington. He's done a very good job with Fresno state mentioned rest. Rhett Lashley officially introduced at SMU. Sonny Dykes will be introduced at TCU soon. Rod carry out uh, someday, uh, preferably before uh, the early signing period, just you know, so you can at least have him at the press conference wearing purple. Rhett Lashley trying to move his stuff into his new office, but Sonny's stuff is still on the desk, just sitting there wondering what he's going to do. What, what, does he move into? Does he move into Sonny's house? Like that the house on campus? Like that's he has that huge advantage for recruiting. Does it's he like stay the hey, governor's the mansion? House. The coach lives in the coach's house on campus. He he stay he just boxed his stuff up. He didn't even move it out. He's in vacation for two weeks. What the heck? Um, LSU, 
still open, you know, sort of bubbling, you know, what is, I want want to get a sense of where everyone's outlook is there. Uh, just general thoughts, Oklahoma, of course, going through its search process. Uh, what, what else is standing out in terms of the coaching carousel as we sit here 3.19 p.m. on a Monday afternoon? What the, heck is, what the heck is Scott Woodward going to do? That's, that's what I keep going to because, you know, Oklahoma fans are upset. Obviously, they lose their coach. They felt like they lost, you know, they're, they're, but what about LSU fans? They got to feel like, hey, what about us? Like, what, what's going to happen with us? We saw, you know, Jimbo stand so far. We saw Mel Tucker re-up. We've seen these names that were possible candidates for LSU. Is, do you, do you have to settle now? Like, are it, like, what happens now for LSU? That's the big question. Now you're hearing NFL names. Like, good luck going to get an NFL. Like, Shout out to Cliff maybe, Kingsbury's agent, by the no, way. No, no, no. <laughs> and your backup option is now at Florida. Like, there are, the options are running out. And there's still there's a lot of coaches to go around. I'm sure they'll get a name. They'll win the press conference. But I'm just really curious to see what direction they go. If it goes on beyond next weekend, I'll have a little more concern. Because there are a lot of guys who are in the college or who are in, in championship weekend uh, this week who it's not really cool to announce you're going to leave. Like, what what if it's Aranda, right? He's actually at uh, a power five job playing for a power five conference title. Billy Napier announced into Florida, whatever, right? I mean, that it's that league is is okay. You know, Emory's coming for you. Just scoffing <laughs> in the raging Cajuns like that. All right. I mean, no, but yeah, yeah. Mike Gundy, Dave Aranda, Mario Cristobal, Kyle Whittingham. Like, listen, if if we've taken all these other names off the board, as Danny mentioned, the next names you come to are all names that are playing this weekend. I, I think Fickle is a dude who would not announce, you know, before his thing is done. This, uh, yeah. Cristobal, we'll see. I think when Miami's waiting Fickle, on Cristobal, by the way. I was when about to say ask. Fickle. Won't uh, announce. What if they make the playoffs? Are you talking about after the playoff? Are you talking about after the conference championship game? I personally think if you think that Luke Fickle is the right guy, wait. We know that the early signing period class, for the most part, sucks like crazy. right? I mean, Colorado has 11 of their 26 guys that they signed two years ago on their roster still. it Your attrition rate, whether you're Jimbo or Willie or whomever in between, is really sky high. Uh, obviously, if you sign Fickle, he's not going to bring anybody with him because they're not recruiting at, at a you know an LSU type of level at Cincinnati. I would wait, hit the transfer portal pretty hard, and then sell playing time really aggressively for the 2023 class. If you think Fickle's the right guy, you're trying to make like a you know six to eight year hire here. The, the first class, if if, you, if you're a smart AD, you're going to realize it probably sucks. You know, I'd, I'd wait it out if you think that's your right guy. What I'm the pressure would be immense, though. Speaking of fickle, maybe I'm, did, has he received an extension at all lately? I don't, I don't know. know. So I was, I was thinking Luke, that Mike Bone is just the AD of the decade because he got Luke Fickle to Cincinnati and Lincoln Riley to USC. So Luke Fickle is about to get a Group of Five team in the college football playoff for the first time, and he hasn't received a contract extension or a raise. Kind of makes you think. That he that they came to him to talk about it, and he was like, "Let's just not even go through the song and dance here." I don't think it's going to happen, but it's the same kind of thing I was talking about with Lincoln Riley last week, and look how that ended up. 
what where we hadn't heard anything. Lincoln didn't receive a contract extension at any point, and he was targeted by all these jobs. Luke Fickle's been popping up for all these jobs as a group of five team about to be on in the playoff. Hasn't received an extension or a raise. Just he didn't get a raise last year. I just told yeah, him he got one this year. But well, August was- 2020. So Coca chimes in here. August 2020, Luke Fickle finalized a contract extension through the 2026 season that will increase his salary to 3.4 million annually. August 2020 is prior to going undefeated through the regular season conference last championship. Year. Peach yeah. Bowl, narrow loss to Georgia. Like all of these wins that have built to having Cincinnati in the college football playoff picture. Uh, all of it has uh, has come since then. And I honest, I don't think Fickle's taking the LSU job. I don't think he's taking the Oklahoma job. I think that he's very happy at Cincinnati, and I think that he wants a Big Ten job if he ever leaves or the Notre Dame job. I'm just saying it is somewhat of a kind of a alarm bell to me that he hasn't announced one yet, especially ahead of like the conference title game. Mm. Is I so I, I I'm having trouble uh, taking the temperature here. Is is Brent Venables going to get introduced as Oklahoma's head coach like today? You got I, some former players, including Ruf, uh, Rufus Alexander, uh, who played for Venables, who just tweeted, "BV getting off the plane in Norman." Yeah, and Oklahoma uh, is already scheduled ago. to have a press conference involving the athletic director Bob Stoops, because uh, Bob Stoops is going to be the interim head coach uh, for the Sooners. So, I mean, is that? Is that, is that it? Are we do you do you guys want to do like a, a hot ten on uh, what the Brent Venables to uh, to Oklahoma move means? So we've just got that ready to go. Yeah. So it's uh, Castiglione, the university president. Castiglione is the AD, and Bob Stoops are live at three Central Time. Hmm. So we just got to kill another thirty five minutes. You guys want to just stay on and and and, uh, and do it at that point? Well, Coke, like you want to fire? You guys get me out of the NFL uh, happy hour show. Just don't, don't answer. Just to. just don't answer. That's oh man, it, <laughs> internet's out. Oops, yep. sorry oh. guys. So <laughs> that's the, and that and clearly Bob Stoop, big big voice in this. You know, attached to the program, interim coach, all of this. This has his fingerprints all over it. Um, this is interesting to me, a coach who, you know, has always been the defensive coordinator, has had a ton of success, hasn't had the opportunity, has been waiting for the right one. Like, maybe this is the perfect time, but we have no idea how he's going to be as a head coach, you know? Again, C-plus. I'm giving them all C-pluses. All my coaches, Lincoln Riley, C-plus. Billy Napier, C-plus. I'm giving them all C-pluses because I have no idea what they're going to do. There Good is hire. no such thing as a home run hire. None. Good hire. No idea if it'll work. Yep. <laughs> I'm willing to give Lincoln Riley a little better than a C+. Plus. I yeah. will, yeah, I will give, on, it, give him the SoCal recruiting. C+. Plus. I don't want to get cold taked. All I don't right. want to get freezing cold takes after me. I got C cold plus. takes this weekend pretty good. I, I think that Brent Venables leaving would be a massive loss for Clemson. That's yes. undeniable. Um, and I think that his chances to be able to stabilize Oklahoma – would be fascinating just because of his own uh, experience with the program. Because guys, when Brent Venables left, it wasn't like everybody was like super sad to see him go. Do y'all remember that? Like yeah. the Oklahoma defense had kind of started to get a little bit leaky near the end of Venables' tenure with the Sooners, and when Clemson goes and hires him, you know, it was almost like the the fresh start was needed for both of them. I I think that him returning to Norman. With all the experience that he has gained, his sales pitch, I imagine, is let me tell you what I learned at Clemson, 
right? You know, let me show you all this stuff. Let me show you all of these things that I have learned, and this is what I can do for Oklahoma. Um, I can see how that would be a way to get your the fans back on your side for sure. Because more than anything, I think the fans are still feeling a little hurt and betrayed by uh, our heel turn from Lincoln. And who can he if he is the guy, which it appears, who's he bring from Clemson? Does he bring? Does he attract a few players from that defense? Say, come on, let's go. What, what if you're, <laughs> what if you're Oklahoma and you wake up on Sunday morning to Lincoln Riley leaving, and then on Monday night you find out your head coach is Brent Venables and he's bringing Mike Stoops back with him as his DC? <laughs> yeah, who's it? Like, I think if he could bring. Jeff Levy back, you know, get him away from Ole Miss, which is a very big if because they mm-hmm. seem willing to pay. But it, that to me is the bigger question. Like, yeah, you, okay, the defense is good, an improvement. What are you going to do about the offensive side of the ball? Like, this has been a school in offensive identity. You know, that to me, for a lot of these hires, is like, okay, let's see what staff you build. And for like Lincoln bringing Alex Grinch with him, that was big. That was one thing I was panicked about when Willie Taggart was hired at Florida State. Like, wait a second. We're not getting Levitt. We're not getting Mario Cristobal. Like, we're not – oh. Like, well, they were getting Levitt, and then they – didn't the interview for Willie go down on, on the plane of that booster, and the guy being yeah, a billionaire didn't take kindly for, to that, and then he yeah. backed up the truck for Levitt. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, a lot of these moves, like, as part of the grade is what staff do you assemble? Who do you, who do you bring with you? So, that to me is, like, one with Brent. Like, let's see what he does with the offensive side of the ball. Coming up on the other side, we have our expectations and predictions for the college football playoff rankings that will be coming out on Tuesday with an eye ahead to the conference championship weekend and more of our notes and potentially like uh, a Brent Venables announcement, depending on how things go in the next 30 minutes or so. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So the new AP Top 25 released on Sunday includes Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two, Cincinnati at number three, Alabama at four, Oklahoma State at five, Notre Dame at six, Ohio State falling down five spots all the way to number seven, Ole Miss, Baylor, Oregon round out the top ten. So thinking to uh, the college football playoff rankings from last week when we did have Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four, Michigan five, Notre Dame six, and Oklahoma State seven. Uh, I wanted to you know start to put together what the scenarios are going to be uh, for 
not only the college football playoff rankings in terms of what we expect the selection committee to do, but also what that means for conference championship weekend. So I want to begin in the SEC, where Georgia was ranked number one and Alabama was ranked number three. Ohio State loses. Uh, Do you think that Alabama's fourth quarter comeback, the quadruple overtime win against Auburn in the Iron Bowl, do you think that that is going to give the selection committee enough to be able to move them into number two? Or does Michigan make the same move it made in the AP? I I would assume Michigan jumps to two. Because I just think that that win over Ohio State is better than any win Alabama has. So if you're looking at okay. like one-loss teams and you're comparing their resumes, Michigan, I think, has the stronger overall resume. Michigan has looked more impressive in its wins. Its one loss was a narrow loss to a Michigan State team that's probably going to be in the top 10 or very close to the top 10, whereas Alabama's loss is to a now 8-4 and four Texas A&M team. So I, if it's not Michigan above Alabama, I'll, I'll be really surprised. But <laughs> this is Bama. This is, they do have a lot of four and five stars on that roster. And I was watching that game unfold, the Iron Bowl. And I was just marveling at everything about it during the broadcast. And Gary Danielson's talking about Bama. And he's like, hey, I'd still put this team in. You know, even if they lost today, but they beat Georgia, I'd still put them in as a two-loss team. And I must say, I have to give you credit to the SEC, and all of this for making it feel as if getting taken to four overtimes by a 6-6 six and six Auburn team is like beating the Green Bay Packers. Like, that's what – it's just – I was, like, looking at this, I'm like, they make this feel like this is a resume builder, not something that would bring your resume down. Now, that's the emotion of the game. I wonder if the committee sits back, but they watch like a lot of us and they watch and they they hear things that are said during the broadcast. So I think, I don't know if it's going to hurt them that much. And that they, what they'll remember is, whoa, Bryce Young, whew, maybe the best quarterback in the country. They could beat anybody with him. So I don't know. I think Michigan should be too, but we know that we know the committee loves the SEC and they love Alabama. So if I, Alabama's too... It, that further sets up the can lose and still be top four scenario. They're not getting into the top four if they lose. I'm sorry. They're not. Are you saying that because you're what your heart says? Because I. Do you know how many things have to happen? Because you got to remember, there's still a one loss Notre Dame out there that yeah. can't lose again. <clears throat> so Alabama's doesn't have a great win. I think that Notre Dame needs two of the following four results. Iowa went over Michigan, Houston went over Cincinnati, Baylor went over Oklahoma State, and Georgia convincingly. Mm-hmm. They just need two. Uh, no, Georgia just has to win. It doesn't have so to be said, convincing. Notre Dame needs that. You think that no, any... No, no. If Alabama loses, it's out. We can keep pretending it's going to get in. It's not. They're not going to put two lost teams in if there's one lost power five-ish teams out there, period. So the, so what if there's not? Well, Notre Dame will be a one lost power five team. It can't lose. It doesn't have another game. I think no, the biggest thought question, you said power five champion. I don't know if Notre Dame's a lock. I mean, you dig deep. I think into that, that our brands me. are so scarred that we're terrified of it happening and we convince ourselves it's going to happen, but I just don't think it's going to happen. If they lose to Georgia, they're not going to be in. And frankly, 
not to spoil the locks pod, I don't think it's going to be much of a conversation after Saturday anyway, because based on what Alabama has looked like to me for the last month compared to how Georgia has looked, I don't think it's going to be close. I think Georgia's going to beat the shit out of them, just to be blunt. And I think that the bigger question in Tuesday night is, does Oklahoma State replace Cincinnati? Because now Oklahoma State has a win that's on par or better than Cincinnati's win over Notre Dame. If Oklahoma State with one loss, if you're saying Alabama's out because you believe that is the case, does Oklahoma State replace Cincinnati? Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State could still be your four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's going to... Oklahoma State jumps ahead of... like they. They're in that perfect position where all they need is for Alabama to lose. Okay, I, I, I will stop. How about this, Tom? For the purposes of our discussions here, I will stop entertaining the close loss. I will maintain. I will maintain for the purposes of this conversation <laughs> that Alabama's only path to the college football playoff is to defeat Georgia, in which case that is the worst possible news for an Oklahoma State and absolutely for a Notre Dame, correct? Yes. And I'm sorry I got so whatever. It's just I was really annoyed on Saturday when as soon as Alabama was on the verge of losing to Auburn or came back and then Ohio State had lost, everybody starts pumping up like, well, can the two lost Ohio? No, they're done. It's over. Let's stop wasting our times. Listen, I'm telling you, I think Cincinnati is winning your end. Cannot get replaced. Agreed. I agree for the most part, but it's gonna we're gonna have to wait to see what happens on Tuesday night. Because if if Oklahoma State's ahead of Cincinnati and they put that in there, they could keep Cincinnati out. And Oklahoma State just added what was it? What was Oklahoma rank when they played them? Were they top ten? Tenth, I think. Yeah, right in there. They had yeah, a so much in, better resume yeah. builder. They could. This could be it. This could be where Tom is plus, plus, like if Oklahoma State then goes on to beat another highly ranked Baylor team in the Big 12 championship. That's two wins that, you know, one more than Cincinnati has as far as the committee is concerned. So I don't know. I mean, I think they could both get in if Alabama loses, like I think it will. But I just, that's more interesting to me for Tuesday night's rankings than any of the other stuff. The, what, when you say that is more interesting. Where Oklahoma State and Cincinnati are in connection to each other. Okay. Bud, what do you have your eyes on? Well, I mean, not to get into like the Bama preview stuff because we'll probably hit that Wednesday or, or Thursday on Locks Pod, but it is hard to fake offensive line play. And I just go back to Bama's offensive line looked bad against Auburn, and Auburn's defensive line is not good. Their secondary is pretty good, I think, in most of their games this year, with the exception of the Mississippi State game second half. But Auburn's Auburn's defensive line ain't nothing special, guys. And Bama couldn't handle them. Georgia is something special up front. A lot of guys are pretty special up front. Pro Football Focus just voted Jermaine Johnson the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He couldn't start at Georgia. <laughs> Jameson Williams factor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I I don't know that we're going to have to worry about this all that much. I'm never going to count out Nick Saban, but you either have the horses up front or you don't. I think that it's, there's a pretty good shot that it's you know Oklahoma State, Cincy, Michigan, and Georgia. Yeah. Chalk holds. Uh, the only the only asterisk I would provide, Bryce Young, like he's the type of player, man. I I don't think I've seen a player in recent memory with what was on the line take a team 97 yards and and literally and I know Jamie Erdahl asked him this after the game, kind of, but I was thinking the exact same thing. She was like, "Let me check your pulse." That was so impressive. He was the most poised and composed 
quarterback I've seen in that situation in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm already planning. If I'm an NFL team, I'm trying to manipulate things, you know, all the tanking that goes on. I've never been a fan of tanking. From what I've seen from Bryce Young, I would be trying to move mountains to get an opportunity to have him be my franchise quarterback because Aaron Rodgers is the only other quarterback I've seen look that effortless making those type of plays. It was pretty phenomenal. So, like, in – Maybe the, the Georgia defense could absolutely sack him 10 times and he looks human and he can't do anything at all. But he is the wild card factor in this game who, when he needed to step up big, made the big plays. I will say, because I run our pod network on, on the 24-7 side, I listen to like every single Dogs 247 podcast. And those guys are much more sold on the front seven of Georgia than they are the secondary. Right? Like nobody's really yeah. challenged Georgia's secondary. I'm not trying to get into the Georgia ain't played nobody thing, but like Kentucky's not a good passing team. Florida, not the a good passing team. The quarterback they faced is Hendon Hooker. Yeah. You know, like that's, yeah. It's exactly how I felt about the Michigan secondary going into the Ohio State game. And while they didn't exactly shut them down, it's just the rest of the front seven did so well that they don't really have to. Yeah, there was an unknown. Mm-hmm. One of the unknowns in Georgia's game against Alabama is just how good is this Georgia secondary. I'm not saying it's bad. I just I don't know that it's like super elite compared to what the front seven. I'm fairly confident in that because they, they gave up 83 points all year. Georgia still, despite the fact that they ain't played nobody, could lose this game by any margin and be in the college football playoff. Correct? Yeah. The Georgia's in like this is they shouldn't be, but they are like you are giving oh, a no, they, yes, they should be it. They should 100 percent be. And they've been the most dominant team in the country to not have them in the playoff. Even if they lose to Alabama would be a joke. There is no number that Bama could put up on them that you'd say they don't deserve it. A hundred to nothing. And even then, <laughs> um, hey, man, what? watch yourself with that Cincinnati bet. Don't don't they'll be giving out a hundred nothing on the show. I'm just They're going to say it. There's. If if Georgia doesn't get put in the playoff because it loses one game to Alabama, then what the hell are we even doing? After it dominated the entire regular season, nobody came close. It just smothered not, everybody. Not, Clemson came close. No, it didn't. Go rewatch that game. It was ten to three, but Clemson was never close. One game, one play Clemson away. Was big, that game I don't was even. Close. I don't Georgia even. Georgia wasn't say, close to scoring an off to touchdown. Was Clemson like, close Georgia to never the, moved the ball yard either. line? <laughs> Like, no. I mean, unless they were all of a sudden going to hit an explosive play and they didn't at throw any, any balls point, past 10 yards in the air, that like get like getting to the 40 doesn't really matter. At any point when you watched that game, did you think Clemson was going to win? Yeah. 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 I was thinking oh, okay. this is one fluke fumble away. This is one errant pass away. Yes, absolutely. Differing memories of that performance. <laughs> Georgia looked like the better team. Georgia yes. didn't look like, like a team that should have won by 20. Well, no, I didn't think Georgia was going to go on and be the team that it has been from that game. I just don't. I, my biggest takeaway from that game after watching it was, "Wow, Clemson is uh, Clemson." I hope they problems. do win because I we haven't we've seen chalk pretty much every play every conference championship. I hope they do win. I don't want to get into this debate. I don't want to have to go like let's see them, let's get them there, let's get the opportunity. But I do think it would be more of debate. But I think you are right factually. I think they would get in. How right it is, that would be a debate that I don't like. We could have, but hopefully we don't have to. I think Georgia fans can book their hotel accommodations. They'll yeah, be fine. They're probably safe. For yeah. which one, though? Would you rather have Miami or Texas? Miami, I think. I think. I don't know. 
So that it's open field versus controlled environment and you're playing on December 31st. And not that that, that doesn't mean anything for cold weather in Miami, but Saban tree has preferred Dallas. Yeah. When, 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 when they get to pick right. Control, control the controllables. Yeah. <laughs> what about the opponent? I don't, I, I don't think those teams li- like where they have to stay down in Miami. Like, like, like Fort Worth is really pretty boring. You know, I, so I get in trouble. If you end up at the fountain, yeah. Blue, good luck on New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> right? so yeah, maybe they will choose Arlington then. At one point, the, the Atlanta Falcons had an issue, I believe, with, with the Super Bowl down in Miami. Yes, like, they're they not going to have trouble getting their fans to travel. You know, like oh, no. they're not going to worry about. They're going to go Dallas if they yeah. if they choose. Um, also, about, for, oh, go ahead, Tom. I was going to say it also. It might also depend on who they're playing. Well, I was going to say for seeding, like, do you think that we need to wait until we get to that level? No, we don't. We're less than a week away from the final position. As you look at the the way the college football playoff might stack up, I don't think it is possible. The competition is too tight to try to tank for a certain seed. But how do, how that two, three, four ends up breaking is going to be fairly significant unless you disagree, because I believe that Georgia is on a tier unto itself and your chances of advancing to the national championship game are in, enhanced notably if you were the three versus the four. How do you think those discussions are going to go? Because those discussions matter in a very real way to who ends up winning this thing. Not quite sure I understand the question. How, how did, would you stack up Michigan, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma oh. State, Notre Dame, and based on differing results, like what's going to end up mattering in order to try to avoid the four seed for some of these other teams like Michigan, if they're at number two on Tuesday night, and if they beat Iowa, they're probably the number two and that's locked in. Mm -hmm. And then we start this debate of looking at your resume and your profiles and your best wins. And what's on the line is, do you play Michigan or do you play Georgia? I think the committee wants to give Cincinnati to Georgia and say, here you go. Group of five. Welcome to the party. Like, I think there's a part of it in there. If that's the if that's the case, it's the best way to sell it. Honestly, if the college football playoff is a television product, for me to tell you they played a three point game in the Peach Bowl last year, yeah. and that's going to be it. Like I know you don't think they have a chance, but look what we have right here. I think it's good marketing. Well, if you're Georgia, who would you rather have though? Would you rather have Cincinnati or like an Oklahoma State? I would rather have Oklahoma State. So would I. You would I'd rather, rather play, play against Oklahoma State. I think it's a better matchup. I don't think it's going to matter. Honestly, so, either way, but I, I think, think it's Desmond somewhat Ritter better. Is better than Spencer. I would rather yeah. play Spencer Sanders than Desmond Ritter. And I think that Cincinnati's got a pretty good secondary. And I know so, Oklahoma State's defense is awesome too, but I just... I saw some stuff that David Hale put out that I thought was pretty interesting because in my mind, I was thinking, man, Ohio State will be the biggest test for the Georgia Bulldogs. And he did some, you know, some looked at some analytics and was pointing out that some of the teams that didn't have the best offenses but had the better defenses, a la Clemson, were the team like your best chance against Georgia is to slow them down, is to is to you know make it ugly and say, all right, we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna score, but you aren't either, which makes me kind of feel like maybe Michigan is a pretty good matchup. Like now, when I was watching that game, I'm thinking, oh man, Georgia just won because they don't have to shut down a high flying offense. And I don't think Michigan's going to run. You know, Hassan Haskins, I don't picture him running for five touchdowns, but I could see an Aiden Hutchinson, you know, impacting a game and getting after Setson Bennett and maybe getting a turnover where it is a lower scoring game. So, you know, I, that was an interesting kind of 
and it, it was and he looked at Florida like Florida was three nothing, you know, and it was kind of ugly and their defense was putting up a pretty good fight. And then they, you know, back to back, like, you know, ugly turn. And all of a sudden you look up at 17, nothing. And you're like, what just happened? Like, that's what can happen against that defense. I think Auburn was another one with their defense in the first half. It kind of kept it low scoring. It's like then three to Georgia, three early on yeah. in the game. And then, and then you know, so like the teams that had the most success against, uh, you know, and then he pointed out that Tennessee got blown out, like, because they're an offensive team, but Georgia just ran over them, you know. Thought it was yeah. an interesting observation. It is. And yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Michigan's pass rush is kind of a game changing kind of quality compared to the other teams that'll be in the playoff. Because while Cincinnati and Oklahoma State have them, I don't think anybody's quite at the level of where Michigan has been with Hutchinson and Ajabo. I uh, I would rather play Cincinnati, though, if I'm Georgia, because I beat a better Cincinnati team last year with a worse team. And you know Cincinnati was was going all out to win that game, right? You handled them in a game that you were disappointed to be in, right? And mm-hmm. probably didn't have a you know, 100% player buy-in. And it wasn't pretty, but you still got the win. I would rather play the team that was better last year, and I'm better this year, and I saw what they tried to do to me last year yeah, Oklahoma they know State, what you're gonna do too <clears throat> yeah but can they block you Oklahoma State could throw something at you that, that you haven't seen I don't think Cincinnati's gonna have anything for them no. I'd rather just play the team that, See, that I, I, think, I know a little more about I think Oklahoma State's too one-dimensional on offense that I think that you go against Georgia and you're one-dimensional good luck yeah <laughs> I'm not a Ritter defense, believer but unless their defense can you know hold Georgia to 10 points and you kind of hold on and hope you get some crazy fumble scoop and score mm-hmm. and a fluky special teams touchdown. You know, that's sure. That's the only way that's where I'm kind of picturing this, you know, anybody having any chance at this point. And Georgia, I see your lad McConkey and I lay raise you an Alec Pierce. <laughs> Let's go <laughs> bowing the lawn shirtless for everybody in Tim Doyle's neighborhood. By the way, we did see a George Pickens appearance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the right time. Monday merch, Monday merch, Monday merch. All right, trivia question. Here's a couple things that got to happen. Number one, you got to smash the like on this video. YouTube.com slash cover three. Thanks to all of you that are watching. Now is the opportunity so that you can get that Monday merch. We're going to have a trivia question. And in addition, when you give your answer to the trivia question, what we need you to do is we need you to have your Twitter handle in with the answer to the question. We will be picking three winners after the show. Uh, Being correct is a necessity. Being first or early is helpful if you would like to receive this Monday merch. And again, you need to have the correct answer, your Twitter handle uh, in the answer in the chat. So the trivia question for this Monday merch is who scored the first touchdown in college football playoff national championship game history. I'll repeat it one more time. In the very first college football playoff national championship game, who scored the first touchdown? So you need to like the video. You need to have the correct answer and have your Twitter handle in the answer. We will have three winners selected after the show who scored some wrong. I mean, I don't know. I can give any tips. Um, (laughs) 
We will select them after the show. Again, have your Twitter handle, have the correct answer, and we will be giving away some merch. Okay, upon... I'm not eligible to win, right? Because I do know the answer. You are not eligible to win, but you are eligible to buy some merch. That's BS. Can we can we buy merch, expense it, and just sort of like build one of these like financial loopholes right now where we're just like passing money around within the oh, company? So like, like the soccer train for window. <laughs> yes. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? What? You, you ever Googled uh, find the hat? No. no. Oh, it's good. It's a good uh, good expense report story. It's not like Lemon Party, is it? No, it's definitely like, I'm not, not going to. Oh. Okay. Cool. Not Does Lemon Party, not Goatsy. Right. I just want to make sure before day. I start Googling these things. Yeah. Don't, no incognito window uh, needed here. Uh, okay. Upon further review, week 13, we've gotten a lot of stuff to get to. Um, Anything that stands out as we continue to turn our attention towards the conference championship weekend, college football playoff, and more coaching search stuff. I just want to make sure that, I mean, heck, a lot of college football teams, dozens of college football teams had their season end this past weekend. You know, this is some real finality right now. Others, you're going into the postseason, awaiting their bowl announcement for Sunday. Uh, so I want to make sure we, we spread the love here. Uh, any uh, lingering thoughts that we haven't gotten a chance to get to from the weekend that was? I'll go ahead and take it right here. We we still haven't discussed uh, David Cutcliffe and Duke, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mutual separation. And that my my lingering take is that Duke enters the job market in so much of a better position because of the time that he w- he spent there, and it shows the fragility of winning at a place like Duke because I can identify five, four, I said four or five different games in this last three year run. Last three years have all been very disappointing compared to the standard that he set. Uh, especially from, I guess, 2011 to 2017, 2018. And it is games that they had or were competitive and ended up losing. And the thing that made Duke good and the reason why Duke was able to close the gap with the rest of the ACC was with fourth quarter scoring margin, winning the turnover battle, and all of this like fine at the details, get them coached up, be better with execution than they are, and that helped them out. But against Georgia Tech this year, uh, NC State last year, I mean, against lots of teams, uh, obviously Georgia Tech and NC State, different ends of the ACC spectrum, but Duke was the one shooting itself in the foot. And that is how tough it is for a program like Duke uh, in the Power Five to be able to win at a high level. So I know that uh, all the Duke fans I know are very, like, thankful for uh, what David Cutcliffe did for the program. And now as they move forward, they do so with the new athletic director and Nina King. Mike Krzyzewski is going to be stepping down too. It felt like a writing on the wall moment where the whole athletic department, the whole university is like, we're just going to move forward. You know, we're just going to, everything, there's going to be new leadership across the board. And I have zero clue who is interested in that job or who ends up getting that job at this point. But I, I do think that they're at least going to get a better coach than they would have gotten before Cutcliffe arrived. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think that this is a job that would be interesting to and Duke would be interested in Jamie Chadwell? I I think that all of your nearby successful coaches, I think Will Healy at Charlotte is another one that you look at, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina. Um, you you keep it, you know, like you start to reach out to those without a doubt and consider the opportunity for sure. I don't know if Chadwell fits there. Maybe he does. Um 
I can't picture his mullet and porn stash, which he did reference when I talked to him in the preseason. Is going to go well with the the Duke alums who are you know cutting the checks. <laughs> and I love Jamie Chadwell. Duke. Like, yeah. <laughs> give me all of that. I don't know if that just reeks of Duke. Um, no, no, he he might be more of a chameleon than you realize. Oh he, yeah, just, we can all do that. Yeah, that's just spending too much time in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dirty Myrtle. He shows up. He yeah. shows up to the press conference in like a bow tie, all cleanly shaven and close cropped. <laughs> They've yes, got no so sir. much out of the program. Uh, and to shout out to David Cutcliffe, he's one of my favorite guys. Cl- all class. Like you're going to hear good things about him. It's all true. Like he really is. Great, genuine, genuinely nice guy covered him a bunch when I was just getting into broadcasting. So I can't say enough about him. I'm curious to see what happens like from now, like how attractive is this job? Because it might be one of the tougher jobs in the, in the country, like realistically to win go look at the records when he wasn't there. And I know Spurrier won, but that's the other thing too. Like you get one of these young, hot names. That's great, but they're going to be gone in two years. If they succeed, like that was a rarity to have somebody stick around as long as Cutcliffe did. I, I mean, what, what what he did is similar to what James Franklin did at Vandy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, take a look at, at Duke in my lifetime. It's basically Cutcliffe and nothing. I get well Spurrier. I was like two years old when when, when Spurrier was doing well there at, at at Duke. But other than that, you know, it bowl games there are a tremendous accomplishment, and he went to bowl games a lot more often than not, and. I think Will Healy would be a really interesting name there. The only problem I have with that is Charlotte's defense this year was horrendous. I mean, they, they gave up a 50-burger to, to uh, Old Dominion over the weekend, which is pretty bad. And Duke's defense the last couple of years, they they were doing some really creative stuff with, with, with some of their pressures, and it was working for a little bit until it didn't. And the bottom just fell out. So if you're going to hire Will Healy, and I'm not saying it's a bad hire, you have to find a way to get somebody who can can bring some defense to Duke. And we know defense is more strongly correlated with recruiting rankings than offense. You can kind of scheme your way to points. You need to recruit your way to defense more often than not. Defensive coaches, I'm not saying like that you don't matter. I'm just saying it, we, we know that like defensive stats are more correlated with recruiting rankings, you know, than offensive stats are. An amazing stat for you guys, though, while we're on the stats kick. Opponents averaged 11.6 air yards per attempt against Duke this year. I've never seen that. Like, who averages a throw beyond the sticks every time you drop back? That is incredible. Vertical passing attacks. Baby. That's number one in the country, by the way. That's just that's just all the cannon arm QBs of the ACC. <laughs> I, that's actually a pretty good point. I mean, there are really some teams that just say, screw it, we're going deep on the, on this schedule. So Sam Howell, Hartman, uh, Kenny Pickett, mm-hmm. not Vatek. Uh, they played Virginia, obviously. Uh, Louisville bombed it on them. And then uh, Van Dyke. They really did play a bunch of teams that, that are kind of screw it. Let's go deep. And it was also what was a it yeah, worked. Tape. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just <laughs> you also saw it's like, hey, we we can torch that guy, that guy, that guy. I mean, it was so it was a great day out in the uh, the duck blind when you were out there looking for the duck in the uh, in the secondary out there. Um, okay, anything else? And as I've been like trying to uh, not get too distracted by this, but do we? It, Brent Venables is not about to be announced at this press conference, right? I mean, they got they got Barry Switzer down down to the uh, down to the athletic department center there. Mm. So we'll what, see. What about a uh, Joe Moorhead at Akron? Oh, that made me think that Mario Cristobal's leaving. 
Well, okay, this is a good good point. Is this a situation of Joe feeling like like he kind of got screwed there at Mississippi State and wanted to get back into the head coaching game that quickly, or is it a combination of Cristobal being hard to work for or both? I thought it was like writing on the wall, like the same way I was looking at Rhett Lashley leaving and being like, well, that's not a good sign for Manny. That when your offensive coordinator is the first one out the door, it's kind but, of a... But if Mario's leaving Oregon, doesn't Joe stick around as a possible replacement for him? Why would I he think, take the Akron job now if that was the case? I think if you're Oregon, you feel like you can do better. Given oh, so what happened I, at Mississippi but, State. I don't. I, I just think that for Moorhead, it's an interesting move in that Sacrin's a tough place to win. We know that, but it's also the kind of place where you know he's got northeastern roots, and then he left Penn State, went to Mississippi State, was in the southeast, was far away from what he knew, and then he's now out in the Pacific Northwest. And I think this is just kind of a move for him that that both a gets him a head coaching job, so he's running his own show again, and b he's back in a region of the country that he's far more familiar with, and we've seen like. If he does well there, he's going to end up with a Big Ten job at some point in the near future. And he's had success, obviously, as an offensive coordinator at Penn State and in the Big Ten. So that could be his thought process. But I also think that what you mentioned, too, Bud, played a role in it because Mario Cristobal assistants don't seem to last long. Look, he demands a lot lot. of them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like an early saving. You know, he really grinds these guys. And they get results. And they're really well paid. So I don't feel bad for them. But how many guys do you see uh, you know, going for that long? Not many. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Well, we will keep you apprised of all of the latest. Uh, here's what we got coming up. It's, it's kind of nice to be able to stretch out over the week again. Uh, Thanksgiving, man, trying to squeeze everything all into a couple days, then like rip the court out, then come dive back in full speed ahead. It's... It's very disorienting. So I'm very excited to be able to tell you that on Tuesday, uh, Bud, are we doing lunchtime hangout? We are doing lunchtime hangout. Uh, me and Cooper again, kind of noon-ish, depending. Uh, should have some really interesting stuff to discuss. I think we're going to talk about Oklahoma's recruiting strategy. Do you want to go like short-term band-aid for the recruiting class, or do you want to go a little more long-term focus considering you're moving to the SEC? How do you balance those interests? We're going to talk a little uh, roster management strategy with the recruiting season coming up, maybe some more guys that Lincoln Riley could flip to USC. I mean, they could have a top 10. They could go from like 67th to a top 10 class. That'll be a fun discussion. Um, Wednesday is going to be really fun as well. Probably get a little little win total recap uh, to, to hit. Maybe the also, fantasy uh, league. Monthly awards. Monthly awards. Tuesday night playoff rankings, monthly uh, awards for the month of November on Wednesday, our championship week locks on uh, Thursday, and then, of course, uh, our championship weekend recap on Saturday night. And as soon as the college football playoff uh, top four is announced, we'll, we'll hit you with something quick. Not sure if that'll be live stream only or whether we'll also go to the audio side as well. Those decisions, TBD. Do you guys have this pulled up live? Like, are we going to hang around for this? What What do you want to do? Um, I, don't, I don't have it pulled up, but I'll, I'll be drop around. a link in the chat. By the way, before this happens, uh, I know Danny mentioned Jeff Levy. Very interesting relationship there. So he played for Oklahoma and played for Stoops, right? Mm-hmm. 07 graduate. Then was suspended by the conference for spying on Oklahoma 
when he was a quote unquote guest on the sidelines for Tulsa. I forgot Remember? about that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was spying against Bob Stoops team allegedly. <laughs> and I know OU was not really happy about how they were recruiting uh, Baylor against Oklahoma at the time. We talk about Josh Heupel, maybe, you know, having Oklahoma burning some bridges there with him. I'd be interested to see if, if, uh, if a Venables levy combo would actually work uh, just given the history there. Cause there's some positives and some also some negatives. Uh, you know, I'll save this for the very end of the show. I don't, the Venables thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, let's, to, actually, let's, let's save it to see if they announce him. Yeah, no, let's let's keep following this okay. because uh, <laughs> Steve, we can just use it as the uh, as the as the video. Okay, I just it's 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 not like the quality of Venables as a coach or the hire itself. It's like if this happened in a few days from now, I'd get it. But like. Lincoln Riley just left yesterday morning. For them to turn around and hire Venables a day later would either mean, A, they've known Riley was leaving for a while and they were just not talking about it, or B, it's like, you know, when you get dumped and you just go to the bar and take the first person that you find. <laughs> and you know, So it's, it's just weird to me. I will say, like, I don't think Venables has relationships with a lot of the kids that Oklahoma needs to save from leaving their recruiting class. So I don't know that hiring him saves this recruiting class. I also don't know if you're Joe Castiglione if you want to make this announcement today because it kind of makes it look like you didn't really go through a search. I mean, mm -hmm. Florida, we think, had Billy Napier on Tuesday, and they still waited until Sunday to drop the news. It wouldn't shock me if this is sort of, we got Barry Switzer down here, we got Bob Stoops right here. Hey, guys, we are Oklahoma. Every single coach who's ever been here has won. We're a lot, has won. We're a lot bigger than Lincoln Riley. I'm going to captain us through the bowl game. We are Oklahoma. There's a reason the SEC wanted us so bad. We are going to be just fine. We're going to immediately conduct a national search to find somebody not only to replace Lincoln Riley, but but an upgrade on Lincoln Riley. It, it wouldn't shock me if this press conference is a bunch of chess beating here. Hot oh. tip from Danny Cannell. To check your texts. No announcement expected. Okay. The, I was going to say, I, I was worried because there's a lot of smiling going on at this press conference right now. A lot of like well-manicured mouths are smiling real big considering Lincoln Riley just left to go to USC. But uh, but uh, I, I'm sure they're trying to change change the tone, uh, much like how, uh, how, how Bud suggested here. What do, you, what do you think? I mean, yeah. I, 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 again, I just think it'd be really weird for them to turn around and hire Brent Venables 24 hours later. Doesn't make yeah. sense. This is a uh, the AD. Are you listening right now? Are you yeah, doing I'm, one? Yeah, oh I'm, my I'm, god! I'm, I'm pulling double duty. Come on, we're trying. We're trying to do a podcast here. I need, I need some engagement. We're, we're in bonus time, man. I, hey, look, this is why they pay me the big bucks. I, I I can listen and do this the same time. This annoys my wife, by the way, because I can text and listen to her at the same time, and she tries to hit me with like, "You're not paying attention to me." And then yes, I, can, I am. Into the conversation, yeah. <laughs> and like actually give a cogent response. So what they're talking about right now, the AD is basically saying like Stoops left an absolutely loaded team to Riley. And I asked him, why would you leave this super loaded team when you could take another year at it? And he basically said uh, that I care about this program and I realized that, that the time was right to turn it over. So he's basically trying to c contrast what Stoops did to how Riley just screwed these guys. Mm. So he's going to be the head coach. They just announced it. Um, so I question here, do you guys know anything about this Oklahoma compliance deal? Mm, a lot nope. of the guys who cover Oklahoma talk about Oklahoma's compliance. And I don't know if they're just like, if it's just 
you know, guys who cover OU being homers or something or being too close to the situation? Or is Oklahoma's compliance literally like a limiting factor more so than other programs? Because it's have, come up a couple times across a couple of different networks, and I just don't have a good feel for what it is. I have no idea. Is this like a similar situation where any time a kid chooses another school, it's because he didn't have good enough grades to get into our place? Uh, yeah, I, I it could be. Or maybe it's a real deal. I don't know. Um, That's always there some kind favorite. of changes to it post-Bomar. You guys remember Bomar back in the day? Mm-hmm. The Rhett, yeah. Yeah, like the car dealership thing. <laughs> um, but I don't know what those changes were and why it continues to impact. If you guys know or like if you understand what they're alluding to, let me know because I've never been able to figure that exactly out. But Elliot, CFB at gmail.com is where uh, all the insider info and uh, and uh, and Bill O'Brien projections and inside information seem to be uh, all arriving. Speaking, I just want, I'm sorry. I just, it's just, you know, we talked, we mentioned that Rufus Alexander tweet earlier where he said that BV is getting off the plane in Norman. 40 minutes later, Rufus Alexander, I'm not a credible source. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, if you're a local high school coach who played for Brent, I mean, I, I excuse me, played for, yeah, I played for Brent. I, I would, I'd pay attention. <laughs> who is talking? Who's talking? Bill O'Brien? Is this like somebody in our chat? Hey, it was a long time ago. Oh, so, somebody popped in the chat and said, "Hey, bud, it's me who gave you the Bill O'Brien info. <laughs> Got more for you." Him yeah, but it wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> like, just because. Just because they're trying to get Bill O'Brien to go somewhere doesn't mean it's going to happen. Oh, man. What was the DM I got the other day that was just hilarious to me? It was some coach who would never get the LSU job was definitely going to get the LSU job. (laughs) Hey, listen, you can really keep your mentions and your DMs clear by never purporting to be an insider and never purporting to be an expert. You want to hear Just showing up and getting what I got. (laughs) All right. Crazy theory? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Harson to Fresno. Mm. That would, ugh. not not the Fresno. I just mean if you're Auburn and you lose a coach to Fresno, I mean I I, I know how that'll get lose. spun. Yeah, but <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Actually, I love that. You know why I love that? Because that means we've got an Auburn coaching search. And you know what pays the bills from time to time? Auburn Cyrus. coaching searches. Yeah, but who's we should replace Auburn the sirens with dollar signs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm always here for an Auburn coaching search. Tennessee, oh, like, oh, if Josh Heupel doesn't go to Oklahoma, you know, like, Tennessee's a big winner, but we're all a big loser because another Tennessee coaching search, that's, again, just really, really good for business. ACC boys, uh, did you see Jameer Gibbs in the transfer portal? I did. Come to Illinois, Jameer. If Venables gets the Oklahoma job, maybe, like, Collins and Georgia Tech can just work out something where he goes and and is the D.C. for Dabo. There's no way. You fired like a lot of your staff, and you lost Jameer Gibbs. Mm, Not after they messed up the field. Remember that? Yeah, that's true. Weightlifting, weightlifting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Clemson doesn't like Georgia Tech. That's a good point. Dabo can forgive. Ah, yeah. He don't forget. I know forgiveness is a good part of faith, but uh, you don't you don't have to forget what he did to the uh, the field turf down there at uh, Clemson Memorial Stadium. Yeah, Jeff Um, Jeff Collins has done a lot of the um, uh, because. Stephen Godfrey of uh, never heard know. of him. <laughs> Stephen Godfrey had a, had a great comment where he said that you know Dan uh, Dan Mullen uh, getting ousted was just like open season for in- industry insiders to tee off on how much they don't like Dan Mullen. 
It's like the second that there's some bad news about this. And I get that sense about Jeff Collins, that he's got a bunch of opposing coaches that aren't really in the mood or aren't getting asked. But, you know, if all of a sudden the the Q score starts going down, they'll be more than happy to pile on with their uh, takes. Like Harbaugh with all the satellite camp and the shirtless milk drinking and stuff. Yeah. Um, All right. Speaking of forgiveness... I, I I did drop the uh, God forgives I don't Rick Ross lyric uh, in front of Liam the other day, just joking around, and uh, then he started repeating it. So uh, my wife was not not thrilled. <laughs> did they go to chapel at preschool? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure so I'm like, oh, please do not drop God forgives I don't in, in, on Wednesday chapel. That would be. <laughs> Pastor Mike's not gonna be happy about what brilliant. We'd like, to, we'd like to have a press. Uh, yeah, not a press conference. A parent teacher. Pastor Troy would be cool with it though. Uh, very true. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I'm, I'm going to say that Oklahoma is not introducing Brent Venables. If, if he has yeah. not come out at this point, we've, we're going to call it, call it cooked on that one. <laughs> stuck in traffic. They're just buying time. It's only a matter of minutes. How long does Oklahoma take to hire a coach? I, I think eight day, eight to by like the middle of, by December 8th, by the middle of the week after championship weekend. Take the under. Sooner? Yeah. Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Fidelia3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See y'all. Ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.